This is ABC Radio Overnights. You are with Rod Quinn. There is so much to talk about with Celeste Katz. Well, Marston, we have her with us now. Celeste, good morning. Good morning. Oh, Celeste. Look, there's so much to talk about, including a couple of, I think, incredible stories. But In fact, all of the stories are interesting, but three in particular, I think, wow, these are really big ones we need to unpack. But just before we get to that, Wayne from Oakley wants to know how much hype, how much confidence is there that the Red Sox are going to win the World Series? <laughs> I don't know. I guess that depends on who you ask. But, um, you know, I think that sometimes being a Red Sox fan can be super exciting and sometimes it can be heartbreaking. Um, I'm more on the heartbreaking team being a Mets fan myself, oh, which oh is okay as a New Yorker living in Massachusetts. If I were a Yankees fan, I'd probably, you know, keep my mask on perpetually forever. Mm. But, uh no, it's. Uh, I wish I were more of a, a sports expert. I honestly do. Okay, but uh, they're down to the final four, and they could get in the World Series if they beat uh, whoever it is. I can't remember. Is it Houston or the other one? I'm not sure. Uh, but anyway, you know, I'm sure it, it, it'd be a good time to be in Boston. Is if they make the World Series because you know they play some games at home, they play some games away, and I'm sure the whole town will be festooned in Red Sox red, won't they? Oh, it gets really, really. Boston people are super, super intense about their uh, sports activities, about their their fandom, and they're very unapologetic for it. So, uh, yeah, it should be pretty much wall to wall. I think. Okay, I think maybe they play um, Atlanta, but anyway, we will see. We shall see. Who? Okay, this is, I think, one of the most incredible things I have ever heard. And that is, we found out this year what the leading cause of death is for police officers in the United States. used to be, you know, gunfire or being shot, whatever. That's not the case. What is it now? Yeah, actually, it is COVID-19. And, uh, you know, might think that's uh, sort of not surprising, Uh, you know, relatively. And, of course, you know, any one death for any reason is too many. And and I get that. But, yeah, we are seeing, uh, you know, more than uh, I think more than 400, between 400 and 500 police officers have died uh, in cases that are tied to their work that are not just sort of they contracted it somehow, but, you know, basically having contracted it somehow on the job. Uh, since the beginning of the pandemic, and that is more from gunfire, that is just more from other causes. And so, uh, you know, the thing that's uh, the thing that's worrisome about that is that even with these statistics uh, being out there, uh, a lot of police officers still don't want to get the vaccine. Yeah, that there's a couple of things here to unpack. One is they've contracted it in the line of duty, as it were. Um, either from you know dealing with people who haven't been vaccinated or had the, uh, the 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 virus, or by their fellow officers who had the virus. That's how they've got it, and that's sadly why they've died. But yes, the, it's a funny thing about law enforcement is that, and we've seen this with the whole you know things that's happened in the last few years and beyond that, of course, is it, it sometimes tends to be a very right wing organisation, and maybe they are not as likely to believe, oddly enough, in the rule of law as those that who follow the law. I mean, it's a weird thing, don't you think? Yeah, well, I mean, and there's been a lot of discussion in this country about mandates and people wanting exceptions. And I think that, you know, there there is some hesitance. There's no question about it. People consider it 
whatever you think of this, they consider it in some cases a matter of personal choice, of personal liberty. Some people think the vet, the uh, the pandemic itself or the degree to which you will be harmed by the virus if you get it is overstated. Uh, you know, we we have more than 700,000 people in this country who have died. Um, excuse me, uh, that have contracted the virus. And so, you know, when you're looking at hundreds of thousands of people, though, who have died, um, it, it, obviously you have to wonder sometimes, you know, what more proof do you need that this is a serious, serious issue? We've had national shutdowns. We've had uh, serious damage to the economy, disruption in workplaces, school systems, uh, health care is pushed to the brink. You have to wonder, really, what, what more do people need to know? But there are some people who don't want to. Um, you know, that said, there was a big case here in Massachusetts uh, where there was uh, a story going around that, you know, tons of state police troopers were going to put in their retirement papers yeah. rather than uh, submit to getting the vaccine. That turned out to not be the not be the case. Thank God for that. But my question to you is simple then. Why is it that people are not getting like in, in the ACT in Canberra, uh, they reckon they might be the most vaccinated place on earth they'll get up beyond 95 percent it's an educated intelligent populace despite what a lot of people think about the act in canberra um why is it that some people simply won't do it still despite all the evidence why i mean it, it beggars belief why do you think it is i think that i think you know as i said there are some people that uh that don't trust the vaccine. There are some people that don't trust vaccines in general for a lot of reasons. A lot of that may be based on information that is sort of debunked or sort of mm -hmm. conspiracy related. Uh, there are some people who simply resent being told what to do and when to do it, which is kind of interesting in the case of police officers or in the case exactly. of the military. Another example where people uh, were able to refuse for a time before the uh, the emergency authorization passed to full authorization. But, you know, these are sort of paramilitary organizations that are heavily, heavily predicated yes. on following orders. Yeah. And that's so, what I was pointing know, out, I suppose, that, you know, you know, organizations that are there to enforce the law aren't kind of following these rules themselves. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's interesting where you see these sort of cases of of what's called blue flu, um, where people uh, people are now calling it freedom flu, which is essentially calling out sick, uh, not because you're sick, because you don't want to come in. You have the right to sick days. Uh, so, the, you know, there is some of that. But I guess, you know, hopefully the message will get through. People will see that more and more people are um, getting the vaccine without ill effects. In fact, just the opposite, that people who are not getting the vaccine continue to get sick, that it has, uh, you know, in the common phrasing, become a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Yeah, indeed. Anyway, this is interesting. And whether or not it... See, the thing is, you know, you can go out if you're a policeman, and I respect them, of course, for what they do, but they do it so that I don't have to. And they can put on a bulletproof vest or, or vest or they can be armed. Would a policeman go out in the street unarmed in the United States? Because essentially that is what they're doing by not being vaccinated. They are not arming themselves about against something that could kill them. 
Yeah, that's 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 a very good point. You know, you you have certain tools uh, that you need to perform the job and perform the job safely to the extent that that's possible. Being a police officer obviously is a very dangerous job and people go into the profession understanding that. Uh, but yeah, there there are still people who are out there, you know, maybe seeking a religious exemption. And and there may be people who, for a legitimate reason, yes, do absolutely. not want to get a, a vaccine. You know, maybe they have a health issue yep. uh, associated with it. But, uh, you know, the, the issue with vaccination, of course, is that, uh, and police officers are people who are out in the public interacting directly with people, obviously, in very close contact situations sometimes. Uh, you know, the issue with the vaccine is that if you get sick, not only can you get sick, but you can spread the virus if you contract it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, is it possible? Is it 100 percent proof against spreading the vaccine or excuse me, spreading the, the disease or of even getting sick if you are vaccinated? No, there are breakthrough cases. Sure. But I think what we know so far is that the vaccines that we have available have very, very high efficacy rates and that you will get less sick if you do get sick. Um, but there are people in this country who've been fighting very stridently against mask mandates. There were people who didn't like social distancing, people who didn't like shutdowns. Um, and you know, this, this is something we're going to be dealing with for a long time. I think Do they drive around not wearing a seatbelt. They probably don't. I mean, now there are some States, I think a couple of them that don't have seatbelt mandates either. Uh, now, um, yeah, one of our texters says that their local policeman is suspended at the moment as he won't get vaccinated for religious reasons. I don't know what religions prohibit vaccines, though. Uh, are there any? I mean, anyway. This yeah, is there also, are, there yeah, are certain on. religions, I guess, I guess that, um, you know, oppose oppose certain applications of, of uh, you know, quote-unquote modern medicine mm. and that there are people who uh, disapprove of putting certain kinds of substances sure. in their body. Mm. But okay. but uh, I think religious leaders largely have encouraged people to get the vaccine. Yeah. Now, this is something else that I think if cigarettes had to be approved by the FDA or as we have here the TGA, Therapeutic Goods Administration in America, it's the Food and Drug Administration, there is no way that cigarettes would get approved these days. They cause cancer, they cause all sorts of disease, they make your clothes stink, they're expensive, they turn your fingers yellow, they rot your teeth, there's all this, there, there's no upside to cigarettes. However, the FDA has authorised the first e-cigarette. Now there's a lot of speculation, I don't think they're even legal to be sold in Australia and yet you see people uh, vaping and e-cigaretting all the time what's happening here yeah so basically the first vaping products in the united states uh to get authorized uh to be sold and to be marketed in the united states is what's happening so there's a certain brand it's called views it's owned by uh, i believe rj reynolds uh, which is a big tobacco company uh, here i don't know how much business they do in australia but um, yeah, basically the idea is, I don't think that they're going out there encouraging people to use these things for health reasons in the same way, uh, maybe they don't encourage people to go out and drink a bunch of alcohol. Um, but they're, what they're saying is that it's permissible. And the idea being that, um, you know, the argument I should say being that for people who are addicted to cigarettes, uh, which have a lot of different compounds in them that are yeah. super proven to make people sick, you know, this might be. Um, sort of a, a harm reduction uh, kind of choice. Um, 
nobody's saying it's ideal, but I think primarily e-cigarettes exist to deliver nicotine, which is the thing you're addicted to. Cigarettes have lots and lots and lots of other compounds uh, in them and then created by burning them and inhaling the smoke um, that are really dangerous for people. And so I think it's sort of a lesser evil um, although, you know, one of the big issues with vaping, uh, at least here in the United States is that it's, um, become very, very attractive and popular for children. Oh uh, God. and so, you know, they, it tastes like they have ones that taste like mint and cotton candy and bubble gum and strawberries and these kinds of things. Yeah. And so kids are skipping over, um, trying dabbling in cigarettes or getting addicted to cigarettes very early and they're going straight to e-cigarettes which are flavored but also have very high concentrations of of nicotine and can be used in lots more situations in the united states where smoking cigarettes is prohibited and so um it's it's become a real problem people are worried about the marketing uh of these items but i guess now at least one brand has sort of got the go ahead to do that you know, if they should be allowed to do it if they stop making cigarettes, R.J. Reynolds, when they're the, one of the biggest tobacco companies in America, if not the world, you know, okay, stop making cigarettes and you can start making e-cigarettes, surely. Well, you know, maybe that's the way it's going. Yeah. I was, we were talking about something the other day about, you know, interestingly enough, the, you know, how far are these companies going towards getting into uh things that they can make or uh, services that they can sell to get people off of cigarettes. So, are, you know, are they sort of going to, are they looking at the future where people will not smoke or many, many, many fewer people will smoke to the point where it's just not as lucrative? Yeah. And uh, are they going to be able to make money off of fixing the problem that they caused, yeah. essentially? Celeste mm. Katz-Marston is our guest in Boston now. The Boston Marathon Marathon was on the other day. It's usually on, I think, in May, but um, delayed, of course, because of COVID. We had the uh, Secretary of the Interior run on behalf of Indigenous peoples, which is fantastic. Uh, but we've got to go back to the most tragic Boston Marathon, which was the one that was uh, three people at least were killed by those brothers who bombed the marathon. And that story goes on, and it's going all the way to the Supreme Court, this almost seems like a wedge issue to me, despite the popularity of the death penalty in the U.S. Just take us up to where we are at the moment with this story. Yeah, basically, the Supreme Court has been looking at whether to reinstate the death penalty for the the Boston Marathon bomber, this guy uh, Sarnayev. Um, and you know, the the one of the questions that uh, the liberals, at least on the court, were looking at is. Um, whether the jury that was considering uh, whether or not he should get the death penalty got all the information or whether evidence was kept from them. Um, and, you know, right now there's been a, there's a hold on uh, federal executions. There were federal executions under former President Donald Trump, but uh, and President Joe Biden has put a, a hold on that. So the question is, it, it's all sort of in this very legal limbo. There's no question that this guy is uh, guilty. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's been convicted. But, you know, the the question then becomes, should he get life in prison or should he be executed? Um, so there's you know, it, it hasn't really been decided. But there you know, there's a lot of questions in death penalty cases. There's always sort of 
um, questions about whether full evidence has been presented. Uh, people have been exonerated many times by DNA evidence or people have uh, recanted testimony or accusations that they've made um, that turned out to be um, very, very relevant uh, information in the conviction. So uh, I think the Boston Marathon bombing was um, not just for people in Boston or in Massachusetts, but for all over the country, it was really horrifying. It was sort of, you know, very much this innocent thing, yeah. um, this sort of feel-good thing that brought people together that was a, a very time-honored tradition that became this, I mean, it was it was very, uh, very grisly and, and very tragic. And, and, you know, it stayed in a lot of people's minds as, I guess, something that people who support the death penalty would think, well, that's a that's a no-brainer. But the, the state of the death penalty in the United States right now is sort of uh, very much in the balance. So is this an attempt, do you think, to make Joe Biden make a decision about this, because it seems like he will not enforce the death penalty, even if this man is sentenced to death, or at least if, if the Supreme Court allows him to be sentenced to death. Will it come down to Biden having to make that decision, or will he have no say in the matter? Yeah, I mean, th well, there is uh, there is a long way to to go there. I mean, this is right now. This is you know adjudicated in the courts, and you know we do have the separation of powers in terms of the executive branch being Joe Biden, the legislative branch being uh, Congress, and then the judicial branch, you know, at its highest point by the Supreme Court. But I think that at the very least, um, what it does is it sort of brings back this question. Um, you know, it, it, certainly Biden was sort of forced or made the decision to take a position on federal executions because, you know, people get recommended in federal prosecutions. They get recommended for a sentence. Uh, the judge doesn't have to accept that sentence, but um, federal prosecutors will, will make a recommendation. And so it's sort of a matter of the policy of the executive branch, like if the Justice Department is prosecuting uh, a federal case against somebody for, you know, a mass murder mm. or something like that for a capital crime, the most heinous crimes in, in society, then it becomes a matter of, of sort of federal policy and federal intention about how far to go in recommending punishments for people who are convicted of, of these crimes. So why was this a federal crime and not a state, just a murder in Boston? Uh, I don't actually. I'm not sure if it was the the nature of it or if if the prosecution was done right. because uh, it was through, a terrorist but, you know, act. Perhaps. Yeah, there. You know, there. If you can um, prosecute people under federal statutes, sometimes those have those are more far reaching. Um, anything there, there's often a way to connect it. If there's a, you know an interstate, any interstate aspect right. of it, if there's a plotting aspect of it that happens over over state lines, then um, when things fall between states. Uh, there, there is sometimes federal jurisdiction. Because was it last year? I think uh, President Trump, when he was president, he um, enforced a death penalty on a woman. It was the first time I think since uh, a woman had been executed federally since Ethel Rosenberg in nineteen, whenever that was, fifty-three or something. So it's not. It doesn't happen very often. There's a famous episode of The West Wing, too, about a federal execution. A couple of episodes, in fact. It doesn't happen very often federally, does it, that uh, someone's executed? No, typically, typically it does not. And there's a very, very... Uh 
you know, complicated and multi-layered appeals process. People do not just get sentenced and then get sent directly to the chair or, you know, to a lethal injection, whatever it may be. And and again, in, in some of these cases, not in all of them, but in some of these cases, uh, there is a very great interest in uh, seeing if the person can be exonerated or if the case against them at least can be thrown into enough doubt as so to merit reconsideration or commutation, I should say, of, of uh, a death sentence to life in prison. And in some cases that happens, that, um, you know, there there are lots of groups that focus very, very heavily on this, like the Innocence Project and, yep. and groups like that, to try to keep people from uh, from leaving death row in, in that way, in the ultimate way. All righty. And finally, oh dear, this is terrible as well. This is in Arlington, which is not in Virginia, but, uh, nor is it in Texas, but there's an Arlington in Massachusetts. <laughs> and boy, you got wild creatures. I suppose habitat is being encroached upon and uh, you've got coyotes attacking people. Yeah, this is this is really a thing. I mean, this is terrifying <laughs> to be honest, yes. and it's it's not just once. I mean, we're talking about, uh, you know, the 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 piece I was reading that said, you know, there only ever and Massachusetts has been around uh, for a long time. Uh, you know, there have only been twenty two instances of coyotes biting people. And uh, out of those 22, three have taken place in this the town of Arlington, Massachusetts, in this year, um, over this like late summer, early fall. And this was not just a, an encounter. This was uh, kids, be, little kids being bitten. I think a kid playing in a sandbox, a kid who got bitten and dragged by a coyote. Oh, and now apparently coyotes are coming after dogs, people walking their dogs or dogs who are playing in yards and so there's a lot of education out there right now in massachusetts about how to haze coyotes which is how to interact with them and how to scare oh. them off and i don't want to this... interact with them at all by the way <laughs> neither do i but if you're going to have to the idea is that you should be prepared and there's there's a sequence of things you should do if you come into contact with a with a coyote which i also hope not to do maybe spray them with some anti-coyote spray or something you know, the whole idea of hazing them is that you make yourself look really big. And, you know, maybe if you see a wild animal, your first instinct might be to get the hell out of there. But actually what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to aggressively approach it and make yourself look bigger and have eye contact with it and make a ton of noise or wave a stick or bang something. So it's, yeah, it's like Massachusetts getting a lesson in proper, coyote. correct coyote <laughs> confrontation. Don't turn and run. I think that's the uh, that sadly is the uh, the advice. Celeste, thank you very much. Stay clear of the coyotes. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. I'll do. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Celeste Katzmaston in Boston.